providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Welcome to FNF Unplugged. Today, we have an inspirational leader. Joan Webb is a wife, a mother, has been a home designer, CMO, and human rights advocate. She worked for McDonnell Douglas, commuted to and from Dubai, is a pioneer in the home building industry and associations, creating a state-of-the-art design studio and starting the new home company. Joan, thank you for joining us today and sharing your amazing journey with our listeners. Thank you, Lyndon. Thank you so much for having me. Truly an honor and uh, and one that I really appreciate. So uh, like so many of us in, in home building and really in real estate, my path uh, was not a straight line. When I look at my my daughters and how one went straight from college to law school and now she practices, that to me is a little bit more of a straight line. Mine is not. Lots of twists and turns. I'll start from the top and then please uh, join in with me, Linda, if there's questions or anything that uh, you'd like me to focus on. I was raised here in Southern California, a home where education was exceptionally important and where family dinners really focused on the news of the day. And pretty traditional, you know, my mom needed to um, have dinner on the table at six or my electrical engineer in the space world father. Now I look back and maybe there's a little OCD there, but um, mom was probably a frustrated uh, stay at home mom. When I look back, Um, her parents said that uh, young Jewish women should not have a career in medicine, law, or any other profession. And so she went to college at 16 and tried to break through, but her parents really kept her uh, in a very traditional box. So that's that was the atmosphere that I grew up in. I studied political science at UCLA and along the way fell into uh, a class, a college class. Not often, I don't think that college students can look back and say, there was one class that changed my life, but I really did have a class that changed my life. And it was a class on human rights. And um, the notion that governments could treat their citizens um, with such disregard, you know, and put them in prison because of the way they thought or the color of their skin or their faith um, or their sexual orientation was um, was pretty, you know, pretty, pretty major to me growing up in a nice little bubble in Southern California. And the fact that individuals could do something about that became something that I'll revisit later when we talk. But I, I do believe it kind of helped me form my internal mechanism of not being intimidated very easily, let's put it that way, and to stand up for what's right. I had a wonderful opportunity to, after graduation, to do my graduate uh, work 
with the same professor, and he was quite involved with an organization called Amnesty International, which at the time, it's based in London. At the time, it was really at the forefront of international human rights. Um, today, you'll hear more about um, Human Rights Watch, and, and once in a while, you'll hear, you'll hear about Amnesty International. But I really believed that my path was on something State Department related, uh, something foreign relations, something human rights. And so after I got home from studying abroad, um, I did go to work for Amnesty International, got to the point of a vice chair of the board of the U.S. section uh, at a pretty young age. And along the way, of course, met my husband, decided to have a family. Oh, and Joan, right. What are you going to do to support, um, help support the family? Human rights is not one to actually pay very well. Let's put it that way. Fast forward, got a job at McDonnell Douglas. This was in my late 20s. Didn't really go with the human rights work, you know, a big defense contractor. Uh, But a lot of great lessons came out of that. And one day I got a call from a girlfriend who was from a home building family. And she was one of my very best friends growing up in high school. And she was uh, running the family's design options business for the home builder. Uh, It wasn't any ordinary home builder. Her dad uh, had been president of the National Association of Home Builders. So very involved in the industry and had sold his company to a large builder from England called Barrett. And, uh, and had a very nice presence in Southern California. Well, I didn't know if I should work with a best friend. You know how that goes. People always say, don't ever work with a, with a friend. And uh, so I took a leave of absence, jumped in with both feet. And, uh, and now you and I, Linda, are talking 35 years later. Wow. I mean, how was it going into the home building industry that long ago? I mean, there had to have been some barriers because of you being a woman, right? Well, you know, I jumped in 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 1987. And so it was the late 80s. And, you know, I would look around the table. I distinctly remember seeing, yes, mostly men. um, But there were women in sales. There were women in interior design. And there were women in marketing. And other, you know, really other areas, it was it was all men and didn't really shake any foundational. I just thought, okay, I'm going to make my way. I loved the notion of going from dirt to neighborhoods. I had never been involved where you got to see from point A to point Z and everything in between. And what satisfaction to be able to see what we actually produce. So she was ahead of her time, really. Uh, the options business was pretty non-existent back then for most builders, where basically you got to pick out your flooring. And design in the builder world was tile, vinyl, or carpet. And my girlfriend, uh, her name is Lisa Stewart, and she's a very talented interior designer, just was not interested in the business part of it. She was really a very talented interior designer, but she wanted to offer a lot more. And, um, and with my help, we, we really delved into creating a, which I look back and really think state-of-the-art uh, design studio for a builder. Well, that led to taking that expertise during a downturn in the early 90s um, to a company. It's now Taylor Morrison. Back then, it was known as Taylor Woodrow. 
And I led a group of about 40, I think 39 women, one man in the interior design uh, design center world for Taylor Woodrow in California and Hawaii. And from there, a great stop at Brookfield and then um, found my way to a division of John Lang Homes, which at the time was a very large, this thing was the second largest privately held builder behind Shea. And it was a completely different culture uh, led by a gentleman um, whose name will ring bells. His name is Larry Webb. And yes, I share the same name with him now, but did not know that 20 years ago. (laughs) What have been your biggest challenges, both personally and professionally? Well, the challenges professionally is as my career progressed and I took more responsibilities for an organization um, at John Lang is where I went out of the design world and led our sales and marketing efforts along with design. And being able to help both sides of, of the aisle, meaning both sales and design, it's, it's very well known in the building industry that, um, that options and design may make happy home buyers. They make very miserable operations. Superintendents don't like to be bogged down with lots of personalization. And we figured out a way to make that happen. And so one of the biggest um, challenges in that was really working with a lot of construction men to figure out operational ways of making it seamless. And I think that was really one of our secret sauces was that we were able to do that and actually make allies with all of our construction guys. You know, it's the business that is rooted in um, in a fair amount of testosterone. Can I say that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and we know that the higher the detail, the more work there is. It's a lot easier to, to make cookie cutter houses than it is for semi-customized homes. And exactly. you're dealing with you know, exactly. a lot more time and money, right? Exactly. And that is um, something that um, Larry has always said, you know, all home builders are not the same, thankfully. And for some, the model of not allowing a lot of choice and personalization really works for them. And we felt that we had a niche where we could make a significant difference. We had a huge commitment to buyer satisfaction and quality construction. And we figured out a way of doing that. And then along the way, that that company was sold. It was the largest real estate transaction in the U.S. at the time uh, to a company based in Dubai. And this was right before the housing down, the the Great Recession, the housing downturn. And so I had um, I had the ability to uh, work in Dubai for almost two years. And uh, as I say often, when you know that you have a hairdresser in Dubai, you know you're spending too much time there. And was fortunate that the some of our same founders uh, that were, we worked together at John Lang decided that they wanted to start up a new home uh, company, and that's called the New Home Company. And that's where I've been for the last 11 years. And just if I call it semi-retirement as chief marketing officer, just this last couple of months. You know, it sounds like you went through two downturns, a lot of ups and downs in the industry. How were you able to keep 
your high level of enthusiasm and motivation and, you, you know, your quest for excellence throughout your life and your career? Well, you know, is it something that you're born with uh, to always want to wake up and have joy in your life, you know, make lemonade out of lemons? I think it's a combination. I think that the industry provides such an amazing career um, opportunity for so many. And like I said earlier, to go from dirt to a neighborhood is very rewarding. And one of the things I enjoy most is is driving by our neighborhoods, you know, five years later, 10 years later, and you know you've been very successful when the neighborhood feels and looks better at 10 years than it did, you know, when we when we closed up shop. You know, I did have when you asked what were some of the biggest challenges and, and how do I keep my joy about seven years ago on a beautiful summer day. My uh, my husband, uh, John, was training for his first Ironman, and uh, my daughters were both home from school at the time uh, for the summer, and uh, a 19-year-old texting young gentleman hit him when he was on his bike on Pacific Coast Highway in Laguna Beach, and, uh, and John did not um, make it through that accident, and we lost John. And we'd been married almost 30 years. That was not the way the story had ended. We would just become empty nesters with the girls, except during summer times. And I look back and think that if it was not for my career and the way the industry lifted me up, uh, they really, it was the it was the lift under my wings for sure that I was surrounded by so much support and I needed to prove to my daughters that I was okay and that I had a lot to move forward with and that they needed to stay on their paths. That was my number one mission was to keep both of them, one going to law school and one of them returning to college in Savannah, Georgia. And both of them wanted to stay home. They didn't want to leave me and they wanted to make sure I was okay. And I said that we'll have none of that, right? We, we, I'm strong. We can do this. And, you know, forget about all of the times that we wanted to crawl in, in a ball and hide ourselves in the closet. Uh, we all figured out a way of moving forward. And, and I look back and I think um, for sure that was a defining time in my career and be very, very fortunate for everything that, uh, that the industry had given me. You know, you mentioned getting your strength from your work. How did that feel? How did you, you know, how did you derive that strength from your work? Well, it was um, it was an interesting time of uh, growth period for the new home company, knowing that I had such a huge crisis. You know, the the guys that I that led the company wanted me to take more time off. And I said, absolutely not. Please don't take away my work. Uh, That's my therapy. I need to come back. I took a month off. And in retrospect, yeah, I probably should have taken more time. But again, it was about getting my girls back to school. And then why would I want to stay home if they're both out? I needed the stimulation. I needed the camaraderie. And I got great strength from being around people. And that's just my personality, right? Everyone, Everyone is unique and different. And at the same time, I was about to be installed as the, I think it was the third in 60 years or something crazy like that, a woman as the Building Industry Association of Orange County's president. 
And that they asked if I wanted to defer that. And I said, absolutely not. And I had three very distinct goals that I wanted to achieve during that time because I felt like I had a platform. And one was something called safe streets, which is understanding the safety dynamics between cyclists, pedestrians, and motorists. And I felt that I was going to have a unique platform with obviously losing John, who was well known in the community, that I could perhaps do something about road safety uh, along the Newport Beach, Laguna Beach corridor. I also wanted to focus on women in leadership because that had been my mantra for the previous 25 years of figuring out ways of making the opportunities more prevalent for women in our boardrooms, in our C-suites, and everywhere beyond sales, marketing, and design in the business. And third was really to mentor our next generation of home builders. So that is what gave me the strength and the mission to, to keep on doing what I so love to do. Well, and it seems like that some of the volunteerism or the volunteering that you did with these associations and other areas really helped with that strength as well. Do you agree? Absolutely. And it's the connection and relationships. I cannot, you know, when people say, what kind of advice can you give me? And the first thing I say is, are you involved with any any industry organizations, whether it's, you know, the real estate business or the or the home building business? What associations, what uh, professional relationships are you working on building? Um, how do you reach out for mentorships? I, I believe that those have given me some of the best insights into other parts of our business that I that I would not have had um, if I had not been as involved in giving back. So it's always right. It's always what we get so much more out of uh, these kinds of things than than what we put in. Absolutely. And don't you agree that this is not just for the seasoned person in the industry? This is for anybody, any age. I mean, should be volunteering, should be part of their community, should be raising their hand and being active. Yes. And it's it's hard, you know, as a working mom that I remember, you know, going back to work once at eight weeks with my first and one at seven weeks with my second. Um, today, it's totally different. So, and watching the young women that uh, that I've worked by my side through the years, there is a time period where I think it's very difficult when children are young and the family responsibilities are big to be able to do that. So, you give yourself a break and, and some women figure out a way of doing that. I felt like career home life and raising children, um, you know, I had to put a few things aside, like my human rights uh, work and and some of the volunteerism. But take that five years and then put it on the front side and the back side. And at any point in time, uh, I think so much can be derived from, from that volunteering and giving back. So you kind of set aside some time for yourself. You set aside time for your family. Of course, you have time for work and then set aside for the volunteerism or association involvement. What else can we tell people in the workforce, women in the workforce especially, maybe the ones coming back into the workforce? Because we lost a lot of women during COVID because of the pandemic. 
right. a lot in the hospitality industry, a lot in the home building industry as well, and many other industries. How do we get them back into the workforce in the way they used to be? Because right now, the statistics are saying that it's going to take anywhere from two to five additional years to get back into the workforce. Not for them, but because they don't want to go back into the workforce because they're back with their families, they're homeschooling their children, and they've made other means to make a living. Yeah, I mean, Linda, I think it's I think it's going to be a conundrum that we're going to have to focus on and work on. It's, it has to be meaningful work. So I believe that if women found the joy and meaning in what they were doing, perhaps they may be more motivated. I think that our companies as employers, we have to be sensitive to that this is now not the same world. So I see companies, you know, grappling with, do we call everyone back 100%? Do we call them all back to the office? Or do we recognize that life will never be the same, which I am falling on that side of the discussion, that we have got to offer the flexibility that people obviously were not able to have prior to the pandemic. I think this is one of the benefits. Uh, driving my daughter to LAX this morning, and we noted you know, the lighter traffic and how the one of the positives that coming out of this is to find that flexibility of, of especially women being able to work from home at least part of the time and what that can offer their families. Uh, I think that's going to be a positive, but we... We need to get women back um, and get their careers back on track if that's something that, uh, you know, that they strive for. It's got to be meaningful. Joan, with companies, you talked about them being flexible. How can companies or what can companies do to foster growth, a new culture and leadership amongst everyone in their workplace? Well, I think, um, you know, it starts at the top. So we need leaders that are willing to ask the right questions that actually have the ability to listen <laughs> and then the commitment to you know to respond and make changes so i you know i look at our own company and look at what a great job our leaders are doing in in having our town halls you know it was weekly and now it's monthly and making sure that those really important questions like can i have the flexibility now that i'm in the homeschool mode of working from home two days a week and what are asking the questions of what are your biggest challenges to the workforce and um and and really then being able to make meaningful changes i think that is the responsibility and it starts with it starts with all of our leadership and if we don't see it then we have to ask for it so when you know when we say well i've got i've got this boss i've got this you know roadblock in front of me well you've got to find your voice and if it doesn't work one way if you can't seem to get someone's attention well then you know, stop by their office, make a phone call, send an email, get your voice and your concern heard. Because I do think that the pandemic has slowed us down enough to be able to uh, to listen and and then make meaningful decisions based on the information that they're getting from their workforces. That's my hope anyway. Yeah, I can't agree more. I liked what you said Three words, ask the question, and then another three words, provide your solution. 
because they will listen and hopefully they listen. If they don't listen, maybe that's not the right fit for you, but at least you should have the voice, ask those questions. So Joan, what's important to you right now? Kind of reflecting back on your experiences, your challenges, both personal and professional, what's important to you right now? Well, I would say my love of term limits and that I uh, have always felt that to really give our next generation the ability to move forward, we um, older people, and I just turned 61, I'll put myself in that category. I always felt that in my part of the world, I would never be effective if I was a day older than 50. And then when I turned 50, I thought I was 40. And, uh, you know, here I am at 60. So I'm very comfortable with the fact that I uh, decided I'm very at peace with my decision to step away now. I have great people that have worked by my side. Um, That's super important to me. And personally, uh, you know, I've had a whole new life with a wonderful partner who's my best friend and my love. And we have the industry to thank because they brought us together. We've worked for so many years together, and that's Larry. And we are working on ways of figuring out how to give back uh, to this industry that we love so much. And that's what's going to give us, you know, I think real joy along with um, watching all of, we have four daughters amongst the two of us and uh, lots, hopefully of great family, family joy ahead of us. Joan, thank you so much for being on FNF Unplugged. I really, I really like that wonderful silver lining at the very end. I am so happy for you. Thank you so much for breaking some glass ceilings for us in the home building industry. It's great having you involved and we greatly appreciate you and your leadership. Well, thank you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.